I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Gojo and Golik, Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and Jesse Cofield holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston. We got a great show for you guys coming up today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday at 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern right here, DraftKingsNetwork.com. Samsung TV Plus, Roku, the DraftKings YouTube channel, all that good stuff. Alec Pierce, wide receiver from the Indianapolis Colts, going to join us and answer the most important question on my mind at this juncture of the NFL season, which is how much of the all-black versus all-white NFL team conversation (laughs) actually found its way into NFL locker rooms? Because, Dad, you know this. There is nothing that a college football or really a locker room in any form loves more than a hypothetical debate. Like, when I got to Notre Dame, there was nothing people talked about more than whose high school team would have beaten someone else's high school team. Games that would never have to happen then, but games that you could talk about forever. Oh, w- without a doubt. Games that will never be played. I, I always love the one would a team in this era go against this great team in the 80s who would win. And it, it, it's so much fun because it's perfect for sports shows, TV or radio, because it's like a philosophy class. There's no answer. Right. Just just provide an argument and you're 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 in the game. That's all you have to do is to be able to provide bullet points. So, yeah, that what amazing what that with uh, Mendenhall when he when he made that quote said that tweet 
of how we were all wow and then what it turned into. And that is classic locker room guys turning something that's a little controversial into something in their minds that would be fun because they would have fun with it. They would have a ball with it in the locker room. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that is pretty interesting. I can see we used to have a whiteboard in the locker room at Notre Dame, and we would always use that at the beginning of the year when we'd be putting together our pregame song list. You'd go and you'd sound, you know, you'd word cloud ideas up there, and then we'd go through and we'd whittle it down to the final list. I could see that whiteboard, and you see them like in the Steelers locker room. They used to put up the standings for the ping pong tournament. There was like a running ping right. pong tournament during the off season, and they would keep the standings on there. I can absolutely see that being one half done each way yep. with. With both rosters oh, yeah. being brainstormed for the all black and the without all white team there so we will, oh without uh, a doubt and yeah. and the discussions that would go along with it without question there, there'd be fun yelling and and conversation It'd be it would be pretty interesting i'm excited to hear the answer yeah so we're very excited to talk to, to alec about that we got plenty more as we uh, march toward the college football playoff this weekend michigan saying the thing again in a way that i cannot believe at this juncture mm. they are still saying um but dad we also are now we you know we're through the college football playoff semifinals we're through right. all the debate that leads up to how teams get in there and we're getting ready to go into that weekend that most closely mimics it for the nfl where instead of talking about resumes and what you've done before we're talking about playoff permutations and you and i are both you know oh, we share a lot uh -huh. of genetic makeup yeah. can't stand the amount of permutations that start to come out here it's the was it the uh carny uh, or whatever the guy on nbc who does the Ra political yeah. board there who does he does a great job of visualizing yes. it for me who has a peanut brain for the rest of it i just treat it like aces at the blackjack table let me know where my money's going when it's all said and done here. That being said, Dad, we do walk into this weekend where now a lot of people and their specific teams are going to be dialed into the matrix that you have that has all of the players. Do you have that piece of paper in front yeah. of you? Show people show people what this looks like, making it to the playoffs for the YouTube audience. And, and th this is just the a this is just the AFC. I got I got to get <laughs> the NFC and 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 print ah. it up. So. I, my, it, it blows my mind, Mike. I, I mean, I, I'm doing the, the games with Ryan Radke, the, the, the Sunday night NFL games, and last week we start, or week before, we started talking about some of these because these start coming out a few weeks ago, the, the ands and the ors and the ifs. And, and I told him, I said, you get past one line of this, and I, I, I said, Ryan, I'm going to just stop listening to you and not have an answer because I glaze over. I, what's going on now with this graph that we were talking about before the show of, the, of I think, what's with Pittsburgh at least has 10 different ways uh, to possibly make it when you break it all down? No, 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 no. You know, let's just talk about you got to, you know, just how this game is going to go, and then we'll let it all settle out. I love math, but I love simple math, Okay. Addition, subtraction, you know, multiplication, when it was simple. And when, when we got to, when we got to um, the more difficult math where there was the theory involved and a little more involved in it, I didn't like it so much. And I hated, hated, it was the one class uh, that, that I thought, oh my God, I am in trouble with at Notre Dame, was business statistics. I mean, I walked into the first class of business statistics and thought it was hieroglyphics on the board. And it was one of those blackboards that could slide out. One board became three boards. And you walked in the first day and all three boards were filled 
lot with, I mean, all the way with a line. I mean, filled. It, it looked, it looked like that. It looked like that. And I said, I'm going to hate this class, which I did. I hated that class. I got by by the skin of my teeth on that class. But you know what? I don't, I don't have to know this. And for anybody that is watching and or going to listen to this, if you're expecting us to give you all the permutations, go somewhere else. I'll tell you that right now. I know you're not supposed to tell an audience to go somewhere else, but it ain't us. It's not happening. We would go numb. We would say something wrong and we would trip all over ourselves more than we normally do. 100%. So uh, along the way, we will, as it pertains to these matchups, give you that the best that we can here. Dad, I know you mentioned the game you're calling with Ryan. Uh, you've got one of the juicier ones there with Buffalo and Miami. Yes. That is actually a first in some way and as a score that appreciates yes. a, a show that appreciates a good score agami i love a good first i hope it's math related please tell us more it is not math related it has nothing to do with the score agami which which i hate when you bring up all the time but <clears throat> as soon as this game starts and it becomes official it will be the first for something in nfl history we have had brothers play in the nfl right uh, I, I had a brother that played in the NFL. Brothers have played in the NFL. Um, this will be the first time in NFL history brothers are long snappers for opposing teams. Oh, Jesus. There you well, go. Well, you told the me Bills this was going to be snapper. underwhelming, yeah. and you yeah. really yeah. delivered on that. Yeah. yeah. Reed Ferguson for the Bills and Blake Ferguson for Miami. There you go. First in NFL history. How about that? You know what? <laughs> coming off of coming off of the Rose Bowl, shame on me for poo-pooing the importance of long snappers as we saw botched extra point almost undermine the entire game. So congratulations to the Ferguson brothers for making that happen. While I may snoff, snoff scoff snoff at the notion scoff. of long snapper brother. Long snapper brothers sounds like a Tubi sitcom that you could throw up about NFL players. Yeah. So someone get that in the works and we'll make that happen. Congratulations to you and Ryan getting to usher in and shepherd in what will I imagine be right up there with the Kelsey brothers being the first brothers to play each other in the Super Bowl. Um, Dad, with that uh, in you mind. Know what? Real, real, real quickly, okay. I should probably say that I, I read that in the notes there, but I, I guess the way I read it, they were already that because they played against each other already. Oh. oh, so it's not even the thing you said is not even yeah. true. The way I read it, it says Bill's long snapper, Reed Ferguson, Dolphins long snapper, Blake Ferguson are the only brothers to be long snappers in NFL history. And they already played this year. Oh, oh well, I see. So now I have so, to have Jimmy so Kimmel what, add you to the lawsuit, too. What was an underwhelming thing in the first place, except for the Ferguson family, uh, kudos to the Ferguson family, because that is very cool, by the way, to have brothers in the NFL. Um, yeah, sorry I built that up maybe more than I should have. You know what? I'm going to save you here as we pivot okay. towards what we actually care about for this weekend. We said we're not going to give you all the playoff permutations, but we'll give you some, and we'll look ahead yeah. and do a little bit of three for Thursday, three questions that we have going into the weekend to get us started on week 18. And, Dad, let's start off with this. You mentioned one of the most complicated ones is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have 
I think, 10 different ways that they can wind up in the dance. But let's start off with this yes or no, Dad. The Steelers are going to beat a Ravens team resting Lamar Jackson and others on Saturday, and the Jags will beat the Titans early Sunday to force a Buffalo win-or-go-home situation on Sunday night. You guys are the nightcap, and you will have the results necessary to know if this is just... Buffalo, who can beat Miami and win the division now at this point based on the way the season's gone and get in that way, but also be at a point where a team with the third best odds to win the Super Bowl right now, by many estimations, could also miss the postseason entirely. It's absolutely amazing how this has worked out, where Buffalo could win the division or Buffalo could be out, Jacksonville could win the division or Jacksonville could be out of the playoffs. I mean, it really is. And and this is one of the things that goes on now, and I've been a part of it as well, where you scoreboard watch, right? You you control some of your destiny to a point. Like, I had that last year. The last game I called last year was, uh, it was Detroit at Green Bay. The game before that, that was the game I mentioned, Mike, where you know how we like to go down on the field as analysts. You go down, you talk to people. It was a ghost field down there because everybody was in the locker room watching the previous game, which was Seattle, I believe, um, it, it was Seattle and somebody else. And Seattle, uh, that game, the, the outcome of that game before the Green Bay game started knocked Detroit out of the playoffs. So Detroit yes. knew coming into that game, Sunday night game, they were out of the playoffs. And the Packers knew because of that, if they won, they were in the playoffs. 20 to 16 Detroit win later, they're both out of the playoffs. So even when you're playing for everything and the other team's playing for nothing, that can happen. I just witnessed it last year. So uh, it can certainly happen again here. The thing we don't know, Mike, is what other guys are going to sit for Baltimore, right? The most important sure. one is the quarterback. I get it. But Tyler Huntley can come in, and, and you know he's he's been around a while. He could lead them to a win. He but made who the Pro Bowl last run? year. Tyler yes. Huntley was yeah. a Pro Bowler in 2022, yeah. well, obviously, with a bunch yeah. of asterisks the, next to it in right. the way that accounted for that. But you yeah. get what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, Pro Bowl definitely a little a little different. But who else are they gonna? You know, a guy like think of a guy like a left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, Mike. You're you know, guy you you know very well. Has been nicked up a lot. You know, do you rest a guy like that so you don't risk that? So I don't know who else they're going to sit in this one. And for the Steelers, ooh, they beat Seattle, they beat Cincinnati. Mason Rudolph has come in and done a nice job for them. They can absolutely pull this one off. I'll, I'll go ahead and say, yes, Baltimore is locked into number one. So even the guys that are playing, we can be like, you know, let's kind of preseason it, make sure we get through this game without getting hurt. And Pittsburgh's playing for their playoff lives. We do have to be careful because Baltimore is the team that wins all the preseason games. They major in winning games with backups that you're not supposed to care about all that much. And to your point about who else might not be out there, Dad, Baltimore had five starters that weren't practicing as of yesterday in Zay Flowers, their wide receiver with a calf, Odell Beckham Jr., who's just old, Kevin Zeitler dealing with a quad, Kyle Hamilton, obviously, who missed the last game with the knee injury sustained in the prior game, and then uh, Marlon Humphrey, excuse me, also 
So you'd imagine for a team that's been snake bitten by injury, including to their quarterback the last few years, that they're going to ignore the rest versus rust debate that erupted back in 2019 and probably try and get those guys healthy. I'm with you. I think the Steelers portion of it has a good option. Now, it'll be interesting what happens with them since Kenny Pickett came out and had to sort of refute reports that he was upset behind the scene or refused to be the backup for that game. If If Kenny Pickett's healthy enough, Dad, do you think Pittsburgh puts him out there on the field at this point, even considering that Mason Rudolph's played pretty well? No, I think they keep Mason Rudolph out there. Mason Rudolph's won the last couple of games, right? They they need, again, a lot of permutations, but a win would certainly help them get into the playoffs. You're going to ride that hand right now. You know, if it were game four and you were in this situation, you may go back to Kenny Pickett, but not now. I don't think you do that now. So I think Rudolph stays out there. And then as far as Jacksonville and the Titans, of all the games we're talking about, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, obviously Baltimore's in. Uh, Pittsburgh trying to get in. Jacksonville, Jacksonville could actually lose this game and be out of the playoffs. The only, but they obviously can be in the playoffs as they're leading the division right now. So the only team out of all of this is Tennessee. They can't do anything but be spoilers right now. And, and yeah. like, like I said, I saw that last year with what Detroit being spoilers of Green Bay. That said, I believe Trevor Lawrence is going to play and Christian Kirk is going to play. So I think Jacksonville wins this game. Yeah, Christian Kirk finally being designated to return yeah. is pretty huge for them. I was talking to Richard Johnson, friend of the show the other day, and noted Jags fan about how the deterioration and the injuries around the rest of that receiver room with Calvin Ridley trying to lead the charge, and maybe not being a fully-throated number one, really affected a lot of the offensive production there. And so with those guys back, and just Tennessee's ridden the roller coaster too, I get Vrabel's pissed off about the way the season's gone, but I'm not sure that's enough, especially with Jackson Jacksonville right. having all of this to play for let's stick with the afc south jesse and talk about cj stroud and some of the changes that we've seen from him over the season as they head into a pivotal game this weekend yeah nine and seven texans nine and seven colts facing off on saturday and cj stroud he was reflecting on how different this texans team looks now than they did in week two when they lost to said colts i think i've grown a lot in a lot of different places um i think our team has grown as a whole. Uh, I think we've um, put a, a, a multitude of games together to make our team um, really kind of stick like glue. Like we, we've come into a, a great situation of like now we're starting to pick up our chemistry better than ever. So um, it's like night and day from week two to now. So guys, begs the question here. Is C.J. Stroud telling the truth? Is he going to, you know, lead the Texans to a win over the Colts to a playoff berth? What do we think? Yeah, so, Dad, this one, very interesting. Obviously, him and Will Anderson Jr. both had come back after missing some time due to injury. Their top two draft picks. C.J. threw us for 213 and a touchdown. Will Anderson Jr. has sacks on back-to-back plays in that game uh, to get back into that, and they get a pretty good win there. I... The Colts won 31-20 the last time these guys played in that Week 2 game. Dad, I'm having a tough time with this one. I probably lean Indianapolis just given the fact that while Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud were out for a while, they also had their receiver room get destroyed by injury. Laramie Tunsil had a groin injury in this last game. They just seemed too beat up down the stretch, I think, to be able to go out there and operate the way we saw midseason. 
I think I would agree with you. And that first win, yes, the Colts did win 31-20. But Anthony Richardson had two rushing touchdowns in that game. And it's also the game he got hurt. So, you know, he's obviously not going to be in this one. Gardner Minshew threw for a touchdown uh, in this one. But I think I agree with you. I think Houston's nicked up a little too much right now. And I'll, I'll say Gardner Minshew leads this team uh, in, again, a lot of different permeations here, uh, but leads this team into the playoffs. I think the Colts get this win as well. All right, so the Colts moving on here, which leads us to our last one, Dad. And this one, talk about a doomsday scenario. We've got NFC. Jesse, the NFC South breakdown here, the playoff scenario is terrifying and horrible, but could possibly end with two NFC South teams in the playoffs. So try not to let your eyes glaze over during this one, guys. Okay, so... Guys, the Falcons will win the division with a win versus New Orleans plus a Tampa Bay loss. Now, New Orleans will win the division with a win at Atlanta and a Tampa Bay loss or with a win and a Green Bay loss plus a Seattle loss. Tampa Bay wins the division with a win and a New Orleans loss. I... Nope. So base... Stop listening. So yeah. basically... Mm-mm. But if Green Bay and Air, or if the Chicago Bears and the Arizona Cardinals both win, Dad, then all of a sudden we could be talking about multiple teams finding their way into the NFC South, yeah. which shouldn't be legal, shouldn't be allowed. For that reason, I'm going to say it's not going to happen, even though I could kind of see it with both of these teams right now, Dad. You look at the Bears, especially the last game against Atlanta. That was probably Justin Fields' best game that we've seen or one of the most complete games that we've seen from him. So they're both absolutely capable. We talked about these quarterbacks giving themselves. Kyler going to be the quarterback for the Cardinals again next year, and Justin Fields going to be Mm -hmm. somebody's starter. Yeah, yeah, he definitely I, – I, I agree with that. So, I, Justin Fields is playing very, very well right now, which, again, we both think Chicago is still going to get rid of him, so the trade value may go up and help them. And Kyler Murray, you're right. You know, Jonathan Gannon said he's my guy, you know, whether, you know, we believe that. But I, I tend to believe that, and they'll go another direction. I could absolutely, absolutely see both of these teams pulling off victories the way they're playing right now. Well, I, uh, for one, can't stomach that possibility. So uh, we're going to say it's one or the other, and we find a way to normalcy here. I don't know who wins the NFC South, and to be honest, I don't really care because I don't imagine that they're going to stick around very long when it comes to the postseason. Coming up next, though, let's do some of the math that really matters to us. Let's talk about money math heading into Week 18. (laughs) The sideline watching for incentive-laden celebrations next. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. 
Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Guys, around this time of year, it's really pretty fun for us as people who don't have a lot of money on the line to take a look at the incentives that some of these guys are playing for in week 18. So let's talk about a couple notable ones here. So Baker Mayfield has the opportunity to earn 300K per category if he's in the top 10 in the following stats, passer rating, which he's ninth, passing touchdowns, passing yards, completion percentage, yards per attempt so that could add up to 1.5 million for him Odell Beckham Jr. has a potential 500k in incentives he needs five more receptions for 250k two touchdowns for 250k Chris Jones needs 0.5 sacks for a 1.25 million dollar incentive and Jordan Love is going to earn 500k if the Packers make the playoffs. So, guys, who is going to be hitting these incentives? What do we think? And then also, Senior, you said before we started that you had a story about incentives here, yeah. that you had some. <clears throat> oh, incentives live forever in contracts. And when I was in Philadelphia, and remember, and as I've always said, I played nine years and had 11 and a half sacks. So uh, people call that awful. I call that consistent. Um, getting a little over one sack a year, you know, I, I think is a consistent thing. Consistently awful yet. Um, but I, I, could st I could play the run. I, I could get tackles. And so I had a, I think, I, I forgot how much it was, maybe 50000 maybe a little less than that. The incentives were a little less than at times. To lead the defensive line in tackles. So that was, that it, if I led in tackles, not sacks, but tackles. And it was between me and, and my buddy Clyde Simmons. I ended up with, after the game, when I looked in the box score of what they had, I had got enough. I had beaten Clyde by two tackles. But when I went to the team and the coaches break down the tape and how they had the tackles, I lost to Clyde. And I remember going to my D-line coach and I'm like, dude, I'm like, I got, you know, I you don't, didn't say it at first. My line mates knew, you know, of it. Um, and I said, you know, Dale, come on, man. I love my man. God rest his soul, Dale Hop. Love him. And I'm like, dude, man, I need a few tackles somewhere. You know, let's go through the tape, you know, and didn't work. I felt like I think two or three tackles behind Clyde. We were both in the 90s uh, of tackles. And I didn't, yeah, I ended up not getting the not getting the bonus. Who knows? Maybe the team didn't want me to have the bonus. I have no idea because I was that happened. That as well. sounds like they yeah. colluded against you. That's yeah, it. yeah. Take the box score yeah. to the PA and have them fight in your behalf. That is absolutely one hundred percent collusion by the team. How much yeah. to try money and keep from having line. to pay you your money? Yeah, uh, how much money was it? Uh, Jesse, I, Jesse, I think you know it wasn't more than fifty. Like I said, especially for me to have incentives in there, the, the, the player I wasn't one of the top players. We could really add a lot to it with incentives to the way to, to bump up a salary. It was probably. It was over 10, but under 50. But you know what it was to me and, and my wife? A lot of money <laughs> is what it was. And yeah, so that's gonna, that'll be interesting this weekend for guys that need catches or sacks. Do they play as much? Where are they in the playoff 
you know, kind of picture here. Because you look at some of the easiest ones. Chris Jones, a half a sack. A half a sack. So what you're doing on that D-line, and players know it. Players obviously know it. And what you're doing on that D-line is he moves around anyway. You're putting him in position as a D-lineman. Hey, line up here. Let's, we'll run the stunt for you. You know, let's do stunts. They'll yes. be for you, for you to be the guy that clears, you know, to get in there. Everybody wants the, the, everybody to get those, those uh, uh, bonuses. So you'll work. The other D lineman will, not that Chris Jones needs a lot of work for a sack, but when you're going for a half sack, that all of a sudden becomes the hardest sack to get, right? So they'll work with him to try and get him that half sack. I'm just saying, I, I, and like, Chargers got nothing to play for. They got a few guys that have worked in there because of injury this year on that D, on that O line that could be you know making less money there. I feel like you got to try and buy somebody. Like, hey, listen, man, we're all just out here trying to get through this game. You could use a little. You look like you could use a little extra cash. You probably spent money on your family all throughout the holidays here. Figure out a money that's comfortable because 1.25, you could part with a little bit of that in the name of getting there. This is just a worthwhile investment opportunity for Chris Jones to try and go and really take this brother-in-law into a whole new level right now. Get Stu Gotts out here, sports whisper this but, thing, Chris Jones, and buy one of the Chargers offensive linemen. So let me ask you, you were in the you were on the Chargers. Could you be bought? Would you would you give up a sack? Now, wouldn't be the worst thing in the world that Chris Jones got a sack on you. But as, as a player, I, so you would do that? I'm just saying I'd think about it. Like you gotta get your quarterback in on it. You know, it's kinda like the it's kinda like the uh it's kinda like, remember the Titans. Let him let him on through. Like, hey, this play, we're gonna let him on through. We're gonna make this palatable for everybody here. And uh, go on with our merry way. Take the dive. Take the dive. Oh my gosh! L listen, get Davion Clowney. Stick on the action too. Buy him. Is part of this how much people Clowney's like in the you same though? Position. Is part of this how much people like you though? Like in the league, like if people like know that you're playing for a 1.25 million dollar well, well, incentive, is someone just going to be like, Meh, if they like here, you? Here's the thing, Jesse. Other teams. What Mike is talking about. It would rarely, if ever, happen, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I don't think the real. other team, yeah, getting involved. But your team knows it, yes. So oh, a yeah. guy like Odell Beckham needs five catches. So you could do that, and you could tell if a team is cool with it, or you could tell if a team doesn't want a guy to get options. Because if you need a couple, you know, a couple of hitch throws, man, those are completions. You know, get your five in, get your bonus, and move on. And I'm, I, I may believe they're all in such a good mood in Baltimore, the number one seed. Yeah, hell, let everybody hit their bonuses. Jadavion Clowney, I said, is with Baltimore now. He already hit a sack in center for a million dollars. He needs a half a sack more to get another $750,000. And, Jesse, that's what you do with older veterans who are on short contracts and you sign them for less money, you, like a Baker Mayfield, you give them big, you know, big money incentives to hit to make more money, and, and that's what you're seeing with some of these guys, obviously established players as well. Uh, but it always is interesting. Again, teammates know and teammates want players to get it. It's always interesting if the team will want it to happen, though. I was going to say, because you'll see, like, guys get sat down at a certain point in the game when people think yep. they're out of it. And, guy, you know, what the coaching staff, who is the conduit for the organization in a lot of ways, can do there. Because you're right. I guarantee you, if the players have their say in this, 
every one of the first three plays is going to go to Odell. Like I've had, I've had buddies yes. that have been trying to hit receptions yes. incentives and it becomes a whole show for the rest of your teammates on the sideline, especially when that's the only thing you've got to focus on. Like Baltimore is the perfect storm for this because all their higher level needs are taken care of right now. So they can focus on this stuff. We've also got, um, and I don't think we have time to get to the sound here, but we've got Sean McVay dad, playing Puka Nakua this weekend with a chance to, or not, excuse me, uh, Puka Nakua's situation going into their game this weekend with right. some chances to break records. Oh, I, I, I think this is, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I botched that. I tried to signal to our staff that we didn't have time to go to that sound bite there. So Puka Nakua giving him a chance to break the record. He's four catches and 29 yards shy of breaking the NFL rookie record for receptions and receiving yards here, Dad. Would you want him to get a chance to get that record? Yes, you, you have to do that. Listen, they're in the playoffs. I get it. You're risking injury. I get it. Get it to him early. Four catches for 29 yards is a blip for this guy in what he's done this year. Again, hitch passes, quick screens, whatever to him get the ball out to him get him those four catches and 29 yards you're right there and you got one shot to do it right you got one year to do it you're only a rookie rookie one time so I would absolutely feed him the ball protect him as much as you can getting those old linemen out in front of him on the quick passes and let him get that record and then if you want get him off the field because you already see uh, Stafford's not starting uh, in that game yep. so they, they, they have the ability to sit some players but I would absolutely get him the record I agree. Puka's been great. He deserves to have his name etched specifically yep. and officially in the record books on all these fronts because it's been that kind of season. It's been one that came out of nowhere at the beginning and now ends with Puka Nakua established as one of the real receiving threats in the NFL and a reason why this Los Angeles Rams team is all of a sudden having sort of a rebirth under Sean McVay and Matt right. Stafford and now has that chance to be the coveted team that nobody wants to see. Coming up next, we'll get set and look ahead at some other players trying to join those ranks and try and smash what Puka Nakua is doing next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. While it isn't really a surprise to anyone, Georgia tight end Brock Bowers made it official that he's going to be entering the 2024 NFL Draft, saying on his Instagram, words cannot describe how thankful I am for what these last three years has brought. It's been an unbelievable honor and privilege to play for this university. It has given me memories that will last a lifetime. So guys, I mean, he's sure to be a top pick in the draft, right? So how high do we think he could possibly go here? I mean, if if Bill Belichick was staying in New England, the Patriots sitting at the three spot right now taking Brock Bowers would be a hilarious troll and very on brand with what's going on there. But, Dad, this is one of those things that's always, and tight ends specifically, I, I think are a lot like centers where – based on need and based on what else a team already has you could see those guys climb pretty high because it's incredibly important and brock bauer specifically is such a uniquely gifted player that talent wise we all acknowledge he's probably a top five talent in this draft but how high he goes is ultimately going to depend on a lot because this is a draft that is rich in the two greatest currencies that the first round can know quarterback and offensive tackle and those cornerstone yeah. franchise pieces are pretty hard to pass up on when you're up high in the draft and then you throw in their wide receiver right i mean because he's a he's a great great receiving tight end but you have great wide receivers as well because you would think about taking him you know a, a, as a receive not a wide receiver but as a receiver of the football high because of what he can do he is a top five talent like there's no doubt about it but you got to find that spot for him right and we know Chicago and Washington right and this is the draft right now they're going quarterback New England is sitting at three I believe right now Hunter Henry is there but that shouldn't preclude you from trying to get two two tight ends that sometimes you like to do you have Arizona but they have a kid in McBride who came in last year and has been doing well for them the Giants have Waller, but they may go O-line. The Chargers have Everett, but probably want to go defense. Tennessee has Oconquo. You know, maybe I think he was the second leader receiver on that team. Um, you have the Jets, Atlanta, who has Pitts, and then Chicago with the Tets pick, but they have Cole Komet. So you're right. It's finding a place for him, and that was the first 10 right now. So I would – I think – I think, while I agree he is a top five talent, I think he's going to go after 10 and maybe in the teens. So I think it's between 10 and 20, depending on team needs, which, remember, Kyle Pitts was the highest tight end taken when he was taken number four uh, by Atlanta. Brock Bowers is easily, easily that good and could be taken that high, and I hope he is. But like you just said, Mike, it's, that's a specific role on finding a spot for him. If you look like, man, and again, so much is going to change between now and then. He is good enough, like, as an overall offensive weapon. Like, if you think about him that yes. way and not just pigeonholing him into tight end, you could certainly justify that. But there are going to be so many teams that are quarterback needy, so many teams that are yep. offensive line needy. I kind of look down, Dad, at 16 at the Bengals and go, all right, you might lose T. Higgins yeah. this offseason because you got to start paying people. <laughs> tight end's never been a spot where you've had a true game breaker there. And while you could justify O-line, you went defense in the first round last year you overhauled a lot of positions on that side of the ball having jamar chase matched up with another guy from the sec with that kind of pedigree at tight end 
how that could potentially integrate to the offense would be very fascinating but dad it's a guy who leaves college football as one of the best tight ends to play in recent memory yeah. certainly has all the hardware and accolades for it i mean hell we all instead to watch him win the lombardi award that usually yeah. goes to yeah. offensive or defensive linemen almost given to a tight end so uh, a stellar career there for him in georgia bulldogs gear I actually think a place maybe like Denver, a place like New Orleans, possibly as well. And right now they're slotted in New Orleans, I think, at 12 and Denver at 13. I think because of need and specificity, which – but again, as you said, he is – I mean, my God, you just don't think normal tight end with him. But we're past that in the league now anyway, you know, where these tight ends that come in, they're usually such great receiving tight ends. Uh, that he could fit early on in this draft. But but I do think it will probably be 10 or higher for him. I selfishly would love to see him wind up in like one of the Shanahan McVay trees just because of the way they tend to oh. treat tight ends and use tight wow. ends. Like it, it's, it's fun to wonder and it's cool to hope. Uh, but Jesse, while we're in the Southeastern Conference, we're going to talk a lot about college football, obviously, in the upcoming days and weeks. But uh, we see the pressure cooker that is the SEC speed up the process on a lot of things and it appears we are watching that happen right now in real time at LSU for Brian Kelly. Yeah, LSU cleaning house on defense, okay? Brian Kelly's fired Matt House, Kerry Cooks, Robert Steeples, and Jimmy Lindsay. So you can see here he made a statement just saying that they're not going to return to the coaching staff in 2024. He wants to thank everyone moving forward. We're going to continue working to build a championship caliber coaching staff in support of our mission to graduate champions. Guys, this cleaning of house coming after LSU ranked 108th in total defense and 81st in scoring this past year. So, I mean, you never root for somebody to lose their job, obviously, but it kind of seems like, you know, people needed to go here. Well, and like these are, and like this was not, I, I think, easy by any stretch. Like some of these people, Kerry Cooks was on the staff at Notre Dame when I was there with Brian Kelly. Like those two have a relationship. These are these are people that he knows. But, Dad, this is also what we've talked about, and, and what we saw for years in the SEC West when it was gun run and governed by Nick Saban, which it still really is. You know, after like a one year yeah. hiatus where LSU made it to Atlanta, but we see all the time the standard in this conference and we knew this for brian kelly going in tends to force things to happen pretty quickly and now already walking into year three it feels like put up or shut up time for brian kelly and this lsu staff you went to atlanta in year one you had a heisman trophy winner in year two and the conversation in the standard at lsu right. always is understandably because of the talent there national championship that is how they grade success and that's what brian kelly came there to do yeah, and he got that success early going the SEC title game right away, so the expectation is going to be there. And now you're adding other teams to the SEC to make it even uh, a little more difficult uh, as well. So you wonder, and, and, and he's not, I don't believe in any trouble at all, but he's another one of these coaches that signed one of these long contracts where at some point, if it's not hitting, you know, at what point do you start looking around saying, all right, why did we do, you know, these nine, 10 year contracts, you know, and it's not working out right now. We're in for a lot of money, though. A lot of these schools have a lot of money. We talked about the Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher situation where, you know, others are really supplying that money. Uh, but yeah, the expectation out of the gate started out well, and he's an offensive minded guy and he had the Heisman Trophy winner and a very exciting offense. You know, now let's see. Now he has to develop another 
quarterback. And that's, let's be honest, it's something he struggled with doing at Notre Dame, right? Bringing in quarterbacks and developing quarterbacks because quarterbacks, top players, want to obviously play in college and then they want to go to the NFL. And if you don't see that position group excelling, and, and it, it didn't a lot of times at Notre Dame, and so, and if you now you see he has a Heisman Trophy winning Jaden Daniels, but that wasn't one of his guys, right? That he brought in as a recruit. So let's see what he brings. Now he does have the portal as well. So the game has changed as far as that's concerned. Yeah. So he can obviously pop around and keep doing that. And let's see how he does that. But yeah, uh, pressure already as a coach is difficult. Pressure in the SEC as a coach. And Brian, remember, he chose this. He chose to leave Notre Dame because the only thing missing in his resume is a national championship, and he felt he had a better shot at LSU than at Notre Dame. So we'll see. Early success, and he's trying to reach that level again, and now he loses you know, uh, his, his, his Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. His defense was very bad, has to rebuild, but again, you could do it through free agency and the portal. So let's see where he goes. Yeah, and also we'll be without their offensive coordinator, Mike Dembrock, who took the Notre Dame job this offseason too. So now you're replacing. The one thing I will say to that regard is, I always said this during Brian's tenure in South Bend, the best coach shy of Nick Saban in terms of being able to weather constant turnover at the coordinators. Because remember, Notre Dame's D coordinators were leaving every year. Clark Lee, uh, Mike Elko back in the day on and on down the list of all these guys that went and got other jobs and they maintained the standard brian kelly understands how to set the table and how to create an environment that has at times been court not coordinator agnostic but able to maintain its identity through change and that will now be the task for him at lsu Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Now, as Michigan prepares to face Washington on Monday in the college football national championship, Wolverines players have been pushing back, okay, against some obviously highly publicized sign-stealing scandal allegations here, their involvement in said scandal, saying any possible NCAA penalties, including vacating wins, would not detract from their accomplishments this season. J.J. McCarthy specifically said, we did things the right way as players. It would be very unfortunate to not get recognized for all the hard work that we put in and everything we accomplished over this last year. Whatever happened with all the outside controversies, it's out of our control. And whatever the NCAA wants to do is out of our control. But we're going to appreciate the things we did control and accomplish. So, guys, I mean... J.J. McCarthy, all these players, they've got to be exhausted about talking about this all the time. There's no way around it. They're going to get asked these questions. But I guess from your opinion, looking at the situation, how, like, tarnished would a title be if Michigan wins? Are people always going to be saying, yeah, well, they sold signs that year? I mean, look how much people in New England care about that. Like, 
it it never matters like we talk about Spygate and Deflategate and all these different gates in New England and Tom Brady just holds up a fistful of rings and they just point to a fat trophy case and you keep it moving so no it, it doesn't matter at all which is why I am surprised dad that these players are still giving it the time of day because I get you're going to be asked I get you're going to be asked yeah, over and over and I figured that at this point that would be the easy PR non-answers that would start to come up but instead you had jj mccarthy expounding on this like he talked about basically saying we were doing this in response to ohio state he said i also feel like it's so unfortunate because there's probably i don't want to say a crazy number but i'd say a good number 80 percent of the teams in college football steal signs it's just a thing about football it's been around which we all said but then he said we actually had to adapt in 2020 or 2019 when ohio state was stealing our signs which is legal and they were doing it and we had to get up to that level that they were at and we had to make it an even playing field like brother no you don't have to do this and make it sound like that you were all commiserate in this and i get that's not what he meant but dad this is the whole point of why you don't continue to talk about this everyone else is going to do it but michigan right now is so full of confidence because they've gone out there and they have backed up their end of the bargain and the players on that team i'm sure because we all have sports brain and have had it before have convinced themselves that they are the persecuted and that they are overcoming the adversity in this situation and it has led to the i i would not have advised the statement from the young man because now that is going to be even more fodder for people in the lead up to this in a way that is just not necessary at this juncture the one thing they want to keep bringing up and and they they need to stop bringing up is everybody steals signs about 80 percent of teams he says in college football steal signs yes 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 and it is legal to steal signs but you guys did it illegally, okay? There's a monster yeah. difference of somehow legally, as I said, you can steal signs. If you look at them and see them and pick them up, it is completely legal. And it sounds bad because you're saying stealing, you know, and legal. You know, and those two words don't usually go together. So if you want to find another word, we're interpreting their signs, right? And w- which is fine to do. You guys did it illegal, not you, but your school, your Connorstown, whatever, whoever did it illegally. So stop with the that comparison. You're right, Mike. Sometimes you just talk too much because I'm with you. The Patriots deflate gate and, and the sign stealing, they don't give a damn. They're wearing ring, rings proudly. And if Michigan wins this game, we've already said it. Wear the rings proudly. Don't give a damn what anybody else says about that. But man, just just stop or somebody get to him and say, guys, this is how you need to frame your answer. Short, sweet, and this way, right here. You know, because every time you say all the teams do it, no, they don't. No, they don't. A lot do it, but not the way you guys did it. Some do. You guys got caught. There is a monster difference. But as far as vacating, listen, you guys had all 12 year wins vacated, right? The year you went to the national championship. I forgot what it was even for. Was it an academic thing with a player? I don't, I don't, I don't even yeah, remember it was, it was uh, an, what it, it was, was but it, it's ridiculous because I, I agree with him there. We know what we accomplished. And the same with you guys. You guys know you guys went out and beat every single team in the regular season on your schedule. So whether they got vacated or not doesn't mean a damn thing. I think it's a stupid rule amongst the millions of stupid rules the NCAA has in all of this. So, no, it shouldn't affect them what they think of their season, and they should wear their rings if they get them and not vacated proudly if they do win them. 
Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal, and they were doing it. We had to get up to the level that they were at, and we had to make it yeah. an even playing field. Is the college ah. football player version of the old Rick James sketch on Chappelle's show? Grinding my feet on Eddie Murphy's couch. I got a little more sense than that. Yeah, I remember grinding my feet on Eddie Murphy's couch. Much like we did for Marie Antoinette with Charlotte Wilde the other day. That yeah. would be my dream, is that Rick James jj mccarthy because that was the speed that he kept in this quote here but dad as as far as michigan overall and what they represent and if this is an outlier or not i do think it's interesting to consider what they represent overall right now in college football i heard um uh i heard uh kevin clark on dominic foxworth's show the other day talking about this and i've seen ari wasserman over at the athletic write about it what Michigan and Washington represent in the modern college football era when it comes to talent acquisition. This is what Kevin Clark talked about it meant for Michigan beating Alabama in terms of accumulating star power in the sport. I think this is the first modern college football playoff. I think that we're going to look back on this and say this was the beginning of something. Because if you're familiar with 24-7 talent composite or blue chip ratio or whatever, Michigan and Washington should not be competing for a national championship. Michigan has 15 players who look like they're going to get drafted. So like, we can't just be like, oh, well, they, well, what with the miracle on ice? You know, oh my God, I can't believe they closed the gap on Alabama. They've gotten, they've closed the gap on talent. Now, Alabama has more five-star recruits on its roster than the entire Big Ten. They had perhaps, if you look at the recruiting patterns, oh my God. they had most, the most Bad talented roster, basically by recruiting in the history of, of football. What we're seeing here is, teams finding ways to bridge the talent gap that means development which i've always found to be overrated but it means being a good coach team with an identity so dad this is a, the idea of the blue chip ratio that he referenced there bud elliott and 24 7 sports have basically gone back and looked and to win a national championships college football teams need to have signed more four and five star recruits than two and three star recruits over the previous four recruiting classes there's a certain percentage of your roster that has to be made up that way and what we've seen ultimately gets you the national championship winners you end up with about 16 teams every year in that range that have the talent composite to do it and while michigan is barely inside that to his point georgia alabama ohio state those teams are at yeah. the higher end washington not in this list would be breaking the wheel on this so dad do you think we're at a point right now where because of the changes in college football that matters a little bit less than it used to well i mean i, I did disagree with him when he said though i think it has been muted a bit about developing talent because there is something to developing talent getting talent at your program and then not being able to develop it further you know, four or five star. Again, the star rating system in high schools can be a joke as well. So just, just to lean heavily on that sometimes can be ridiculous. But to develop, we see two and three stars who all of a sudden are great players going on to the NFL. They got developed or they developed more uh, as they were in college. But I do think there is a development part that is still important. But yes, it's free agency now, Mike. So now we go to 12-team playoffs, and it's free agency. Who can you bring in so you never really have a rebuilding year, but you have a, for the top teams, but a retooling year instead? I absolutely think that's where we are, and it's changed. 
I see. I actually disagree with Kevin on this point, and that this is like a moment that we're going to look back on because I still think all this matters. You need a certain amount. It's like when we go in the combine and check your height, weight, and measurables. We're making sure you meet the baselines in order to play at this level, and that generally tends to be what the idea of the blue chip ratio is. I think this year is a bit of an outlier because of the experience we have of quarterbacks. When you've got guys like Michael Penix Jr. who have been around for six years and have that yep. bevy of experience at that particular position i think some of the specific bits of roster makeup florida state and jordan travis were similar in the effect that he had on that team that would also have been outside of that talent line i think those things have created an environment that might not be easy to replicate going forward